Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. I feel better because I just got off the water, so, you know. Oh, sweet. Nice. We haven't had wind for ages, so we've got a bit today, so I had a, I had a lot of testing to do. So I've tested something pretty exciting this morning. Oh, sick. Where are so you? that was fun. It always, it always puts you in a good headspace. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just at home right now, but we're, we're right on the water here north of Auckland. A place called Torbay. Ah, New Zealand. So with the ski just straight out in the bay and we can, um, Josh, Josh, Ahmed and I, we can do a lot of testing pretty quickly. Beautiful. Pretty lucky to, lucky little setup. I wish we had waves though. Waves is what we're lacking around here, so we need to drive. What is the season in, in New Zealand? Do you guys get more swell in the winter? So it's, summer's kicked in. Like oh, I'm yeah, yeah, right you're now. Sweat, you're it's, it's truly kicked in. Okay. I uh, wish I was over there skiing. It's kind of getting a bit hot. Yeah. So um, now summer's truly kicked in. Okay. It was a little it was a little shaky start, a little bit of rain through December, but now it's just hot, sunny every day like California. Windy in the summer and then swellier in the winter? We we get a lot of we get a lot of winds through so New Zealand across the whole country is totally different. I'm from the south, so I'm from down down um, near Queenstown, a place called Christchurch. Queenstown's probably the one everybody's heard of. <laughs> so up in Auckland, the windy season is it's around sort of spring kind of September um, time and it just kicks in and you know you'll get day after day of 25 30 knots which is consistent really consistent wind oh shit um, from the southwest oh, so cool. yeah good groundswell too it's handy it's a handy wind tunnel for testing groundswells are funny so you're out west we we have swell all the time and that's why I go to a, pre- a place called Raglan uh, and that's on the west coast so they generally have a lot of swell. Um, so that's, you know, that's where we get away with the jet ski and do a lot of tow foiling. But we're lucky here on the East Coast around Auckland, we just get a ton of wind. Oh, sweet. So it's just super consistent. Um, so we've kind of got it all. Within a few hours drive. You got skiing and stuff too, eh? You got a few mountains there? Like a lot of people don't know about me. I guess I haven't spoken about it much. I grew up skiing, so I kind of, that's what I used to do all the time. Grew up, started skiing when I was about four. Oh, nice. And uh, and yeah, I worked in the ski industry actually before this. So I've always been around that kind of equipment and pretty fascinated with, um, I've always been pretty, you know, a bit of a nerd when it came to just any kind of product. So always, um, always kind of nerding out on which skis to get and kind of what brands to follow as a kid. Sweet. Um, yeah, we're big skiers out here. Yeah, I was going to say, where, where where do you ski? Where's your local? Well, right now I'm in like eastern uh, Canada. So like I, I grew up skiing Quebec. You know, we had a couple decent mountains there. They're not as big as out in BC, but we have like Le Massif, which is like the biggest mountain east of the Rockies, I guess. Um, and you're skiing it and it looks like you're going right into the St. Lawrence, like this massive river that ends up connecting to the Atlantic Ocean. It's it's pretty unbelievable skiing. Like they had some Olympic stuff there that they had some trials and everything for training. I mean, but it's you can be a beginner skier all the way to fairly advanced. So that's where we kind of grew up. But skiing and snowboarding, I just started doing backcountry there last year. It's really really fun. Sick. Yeah. So it's French French speaking, right? Quebec. Yes. For the most part, it's like the last province in Canada that's kind of that that is officially. French, everybody else, like Moncton, like New Brunswick is, is French as well, but Quebec is the main French first language speaking, yeah, province in Canada, yeah. It's a cool spot, so, all my family's from there, but yeah, 
Kieran, my man, how was your season? Yo. We talked last year. You're like, I'm competing this year. So how'd that go for you? Just getting out there and freaking, I've seen some of your Instagrams, man. You're, you're working on your moves. It was yeah. pretty cool, actually, to see some of your stuff in the waves. Unreal. Yeah, it was, I did two competitions last year. Um, you know, it was definitely an experience, a really great experience at a big learning curve. Yeah, I went to New Zealand in March. Didn't really know what to expect and um, was kind of thinking it was waves, but ended up being flat water. Um, but yeah, got to meet some really good people over there. Got to see the standard and, you know, you kind of, you see these people online and how they're riding, but to go see them in person and see how consistent they are is is really amazing. So, um, you know, the, when you look at the main tricks they were doing in March, which was like, you know, front flip, back flip, 720, you know, these guys landed pretty much 95% of the time. Um, you know, and it's just that consistency, that great competitors. So, you know, you look at someone like Chris McDonald, who won it last year, he just doesn't seem to fall. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just so, so consistent and, and the amazing, the small amount of wins that they can do their tricks in. Um, like I think New Zealand, there were points when they were competing in 12 knots, gusting maybe 14, and, you know, could still do backflip, front flip, 720, um, which was just stunning to me and made me just go, <laughs> I want nothing to do with freestyle, I want to be in waves. <laughs> well that's what you guys have in Oz, right like you got beautiful waves over there yeah we get amazing waves. we just don't get that super strong like for example here on the sunshine coast we get waves most of the year but our wind would be an average of a 15 knots um you know so it's really getting out to those waves and then riding them um but for aerials and stuff it's rare that we'll get like a 25 Jack. or 30 knot day so you know to be able to consistently i suppose i suppose you see that with our with our riders um in kiting and in in winging that they're going towards waves a lot more because that's what they can can train um then went to brazil in september october and was yeah in um Sacarima where they do the wsl oh, surf competition which was, uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. It was um, it was a pretty heavy beach break to be on a wing when we were training. Was that getting out? No, getting out was fine. Getting out was fine. It was just getting okay. caught inside in a shorey. Great time for product testing. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, it was correct. It was at a very good time, actually. It was good timing towards the end of the protos. Oh, that helped out a lot. Beautiful. Oh, good to hear. Yeah, and got this like it's just it's really cool to go to these events and and be with like minded people. Um, you know, you go out to dinner every night and the conversation's just winging. You know, that's all you're talking about. You're talking about what they're writing, what you're writing, what their company's doing, you know, what's coming up in the future. So for someone like me who just loves winging to probably an unhealthy amount, um, you know, those I really enjoy be able to go out and just discuss winging and you know what's happening with the future of winging and you know what products they're looking to do or 
what little bits are they changing to make it better or what's coming next? Um, you know, what these, cause most of the riders are test riders, right? For, oh yeah. True. For brands. So yeah, you just, yeah, you just get to sit there and you talk about your equipment and you talk about winging and you wait for the wind and you know, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty funny, but because I go to these places for like, I never prone surf here. Um, I might tow, but you know, 90% of the time I wing, and literally the only two times I've prone this year yeah. is at wing falling competitions because we've had such gap between wind. <laughs> so, you know, you have to go out and do something. But, um, yeah, to see the level of consistency was yeah. probably the biggest shock for me. Um, yeah, you know what these guys can do. You know what, what I guess, you know, a lot of people see on Instagram what they're pulling off, but it's just the consistency of those riders. Um, someone could sit at home and watch them and go, yeah, I can do that move. You know, I can do that trick, but to be able to go out in a heat and be able to pull that trick off 95% Holy of the time shit, eh? is, you know, the big yeah. difference of why these guys are so good. And I guess, you know, until you go see one in person, you can't appreciate how consistent. Yeah. I'm looking forward to heading out to like a first event to check as I get to know more people and more athletes and more friends and stuff in the industry, it'll be really cool to be able to connect both sides of that universe together, right? Because you never know, are they landing it like like both tacks? How's that going? Like when I, we were talking to Caden Pritchard back in Hawaii, like last year, he was already, he's not on tour, but he was saying I'm practicing like regular foot going out, boom, boom, boom. And then like goofy foot, boom, boom, boom. And I want to be able to land it on both. And then, um, I don't know what the heck's going to happen. Like Big Air just came out. Obviously, I had Tom from Tom from the tour on this year, and you're saying Big Air came out, and then the surf line came out. Yeah. So you can do tricks on the wave, but you have. This episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in Laventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a ten kilometer downwinder done with my buddy mickey from salt spring island today i got in an epic one with my friend Britt. um we went from latuna all the way to the beach and back um heck of a fun time if you're looking to learn there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at saladita kite school they are positioned at latuna and now that i've been here a little while i've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots it is one of the more beginner friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, they do offer professional jet ski assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, so once again, they're at Latuna. So if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. Uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting saladitalaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at Saladita Kite School. At Saladita Kite School. You have to like neutralize your wing. So you can't power you can't power up. So how did you find right. that given your conditions at home are more suitable for that for training? No, well definitely. So with me. You know, I can probably, it's good. You can train that. So I can probably do, you know, the, I'd say on the way the the air trick that they're doing at the moment, probably the hardest is the neutral 360. Um, okay. And yeah, that's a trick I've got down now, but it's something I've been able to practice here. So it's really good for hopefully our young kids, you know, they've got the conditions to practice 
those those tricks. But you know, who knows where it is in six months? Like people have to understand what the level was in March in New Zealand compared to the level in Brazil at the end of the year. It's just it's ridiculous. Like it's it's these these kids are amazing of of how quick they're transitioning from you know one trick into another. Um, if you look at guys like Marlo and Bastian, it's just that they're, they're, they're training the sport as a professional. You know, it's a professional sport to them. It's not, they literally train every day. They train as a group. They they come out with ideas of new tricks of, you know, so while wave riding neutral now is quite accessible to, you know, anyone who knows what it'll be by March, February next year, by the, you know, by the time it comes up. But it's also really cool, like seeing, seeing how quickly it's transitioning and everyone pushing each other and and like it's just these are these are tricks that guys are just thinking in their head and then going out and learning it like that's pretty amazing like that's not something there you know it's not like the sport's been around for 20 years and they they see a trick that someone was doing 10 years ago okay i'm learning this and you know like it's something that they're literally thinking in their head can i do this they're going out and trying it and then figuring out how it's been done like it's it's a pretty amazing Oh yeah, time for this sport. What did you find the median age was like um, on tour? Okay, so this is really interesting. So at the beginning of the year, because obviously a lot of the windsurfers, like you know Max Robertson quite well, I'm pretty sure Bastion was a windsurfer. So there was a lot of the windsurfers who transitioned really well over to winging, especially freestyle windsurfers. So, you know, I would say beginning of the year, I reckon it was about 25, 26. But now with these kids coming through, I think you'll find that age is just getting less and less. And I think with freestyle, I think it'll be sitting around the 18 mark, 18 to 19 year old mark. Um, I think wave will be a will be a bit higher because you know carving and and less stress on your body, I guess, um, comes into it. So I'd say with wave riding, you know, we've got up to. I think Miso must be, um, Miso from Brazil must be about 40. You know, I'm 39. And then we had kids as young as a kid, Leo, from England who's 14. Oh, shit. He's in Brazil. So, but I, I think the wave riding will stay at a higher age bracket, but I think freestyle will just, will just come down and come down and come down further and further and further. These kids are flexible. You know, their their bodies recover when they fall a lot more. Um and their joints joints move a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt, especially in that regard. But yeah, waves, like you can only build your knowledge of waves over a lifetime, right? Like you gotta have so much more dedication in that, I would think. So I would think that that could be something that there are some winners that are older compared because you're saying they're just doing neutral 360s. Has anybody tried front flips or back flips or any of that kind of stuff on the waves yet? Or Oh, like they can do it um, powered up. They can front flip, back flip on a wave powered up. Um, okay. They, no, I'm neutral. I haven't really seen, no. No front flip or back flip with the wing neutral. And they are rewarding on the tour. They were rewarding power and flow mm-hmm. um, a lot. Do you know what I mean? So, and just really in the critical sections. And, um, yeah, so they are rewarding that kind of riding. So there is a, 
Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of guys out there who haven't competed who are amazing wave riders um, who could do really well on the tour and will still have a chance you know, at an older age, which is, which is really cool. You do see a lot of waves where you're at. How is riding a foil in a critical section like that? Did it, when you're pushing, do you find you're pushing a bit harder in competition? Any points that scared you or are you pretty comfortable? Um, it's always, I guess it's always scary having a foil underneath you, right? So you're more likely to, I guess, with the wave pushing the foil in a different direction, I guess if you're doing a jump right and you get it wrong, you can either bail away from your foil or usually kick your foil away. Um, once the white water or a critical section gets hold of your foil, you've kind of lost control of it then. And then, you know, I guess that's the worrying part of where that's going to land. Um, you know, I've got a scar on my head right now from copping a foil to the face last week. Um, and that was purely just falling in white okay. water and the board flipping over and um, hitting me in the forehead. But no, I think I think that riding your foil, the more you get comfortable with the foil, the more you're able to push it and know how your foil is going to react mm-hmm. in different situations, right? So, and that's why I always push people onto winging um, because it's probably the, the part of foiling where you can be on foil the most and you can understand how your foil is going to work and how your foil is going to react. And once you start understanding how your foil is going to react in certain situations, it's obviously going to make it a lot safer for you. Um, so, you know, you're obviously starting on fatter waves, you start turning, you get faster, you go to steeper waves, and you'll, you'll feel how your foil is going to react and what it's going to do in certain situations. And the more practice you do, the more safer it's going to be. You know, if you're jumping straight in the waves and you're going to go into a four-foot steep reef break, or you're probably going to get hurt. Yeah, guaranteed to go into a bit of a washer, and, and I don't know what's going to happen after that. <laughs> Exactly. How how did uh, how did you guys meet? Stoked to see how this kind of uh, story started. And so I met. So it's a long story, but I had some um, friends here with PPC gear, and they met Sam be- or talked to Sam before. And then I went over to New Zealand for that competition, and um, I met Sam over there, and we just chat. And then, like I don't know, I was riding a different brand at the time, and we would never chat about. You know, me going to PPC, it was just general two frothers on winging who would just change mess- exchange messages about winging. Sick. And that was pretty much, you know, that was just what was happening. We'd just talk about winging and, you know, what we were riding at the time or what conditions we were going out in. And it was just general chat. And then it just kind of grew from that. You just meet another frother and then, you know, you have the same kind of interest. And, yeah, it just kind of grew going forward from there and then you know ppc was going through a change and you know i tested the gear i love the gear and i wanted to be involved in it but sam can probably say something else towards it well i think that was that was pretty correct pretty accurate <laughs> i think i i think i met you at the start when i was going past the jet ski yes i took two to and the boys down the beach for some waves because the the wind was pretty average or something then kira was there we just said jump on the rope yeah that's how all these things happen, it's right? It's all just how it happens. Yeah, definitely. No one knows. No one knows. Well, that's that's but that's yeah. pretty cool. So, how long has PPC been around, Sam? I guess this has been my tenth year of business um, of PPC, not foiling. 
I guess I started it, uh, you know, designing stand-up paddle boards, paddles, manufacturing those. That was in 2013. So, yeah, 10, 10 years is kind of nuts, actually. Um, oh, good for you. But I guess it's, what, what is it, six years for the fall now? With, how long has it been around? I, I was trying to work it out today, but I, is it uh, kind of six years, think, maybe? Five years? For us, yeah, for like more mainstream, I'd say like, I think I got my first one in, was it like, it was 2018, 2019 or something, eh? Around there, it's it a, hit Canada. Yeah. Because yeah. my my buddy's working at a store and he and he got me like a clearance kit for like twenty three hundred bucks Canadian. It was like you better buy this today or else it's gonna be gone tomorrow. And uh, yeah, they're super hard to find back then. Yeah, okay. So you're doing that for then? Yeah. So I kind of I went I went to uni. I did all the you know thought I was gonna get a suit job and stuff. I actually went to Sydney, put on a suit, got a job for a company called Mercer, like a big uh, corporate company like Deloitte or PwC or whatever. And a guy there, you just said, dude, you just don't suit this. Um, so I took the suit off and left and bought a ticket to California. Um, and that's probably the best thing I ever did. I just got a job in a surf company and I guess just learned from the ground up. Oh, cool, man. How to design boards, the software, the, you know, dealing with the factories, introduced to a few factories back then. So, I, you know, all these things add up. Ten years later, I'm dealing with ten factories and here we are designing wings and sails and foils and boards. Oh, kind sweet. Of nuts, but when did you first like get introduced to, I know we were talking before and you were saying you're, you're in the ski industry before. When did you get introduced to like wet water sports for the first time? I've always kind of been around it. Um, as a kid, I've always been attracted to the ocean. I guess we had a little batch up in the Marlborough Sounds and I just, I pretty much remember spending every day on this little two horse dinghy, just cruising around the bay you know, and it occupied my time. There was just some sort of attraction just being in the ocean. Nice. Um, so I've always been, you know, attracted to, you know, water sports. Obviously with skiing on the side, it was two different, um, you know, two different contrasts. I guess that's why I really appreciated skiing because I was, I grew up in the ocean around waves and um, skiing just attracted me because it was just totally different. Um I guess um, started competing with freestyle, throwing the body around, getting a few injuries, did a few back-to-back seasons, uh, taught kids how to ski at North Star, and then ended up being a rep for a company called Fisher Skis. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, Good for you. So I had a little bit to do with the design of skis and demos and that sort of stuff on the mountain. So familiar with the whole, you know, how how a bigger brand operates at that kind of level, um, you know, which all helps. It all adds up to what we're doing now, so... You just, I just kind of translated that to, 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 to this and what we're doing now. And you know, who would have thought, you know, we'd we'd fly it around above the ocean. I mean, I still kind of, I know. Did you trip out when I'm flying around above the ocean? Like it's just, it's bizarre. I think we're all kind of used to it now because we've we've been doing it for a while. But you know, if someone said to me on the ski field ten years ago, you'll be flying around above the ocean, running part owning a foil company i wouldn't have believed them so it's it's pretty cool yeah it's it's pretty cool yeah like when my first foil ride i i didn't even think i'd be able to get up i was like you know what like i've seen guys do it on youtube and stuff but this is not it's not possible like it's too advanced i got up in the first 20 minutes to half an hour or i got like some consistent rides windsurf foiling and i was like huh the first thing that got me is how quiet it was 
boom, you're used to chopping and yeah. it's like aggressive kind of windsurfing because we're going in like 25, 30 knots and stuff. And then you're like popped up and you're like, oh, I can look around. <laughs> what the hell is this? Yeah, it just reminds me of their powder day. I know a lot of people have said that, but it is very similar very. to a fresh powder day. It, the feel is, is similar to me in that. Um, I was actually talking to a customer. We've got a shop in Auckland as well. Um, I was talking to a customer yesterday and we were kind of just, we're talking to, he was kind of said to how, you know, what's the barriers to foiling? And I, he, he sort of said how hard it is, but you know, when you kind of look at surfing or skateboarding, it, it takes years to, to master those sports. It does. And I think with foiling, you know, I've, we've taught people that had literally no experience with any board sport. And now they're ripping around, you know, they're in their forties, they're ripping around out the front here, catching waves. And it's just, you know, it's the barrier. I don't think is, is, you know, is how hard it is because it's relatively easy compared to other sports. And then you got a whole bunch of gear now that's coming that is being geared and towards exactly that, helping people get into the sport. And um, I'm stoked to get into a little bit of that with you. But before we go too far, what? How did you even come up with the name PPC? So yeah, that, I guess that was yeah, two, around 2013-14, um, starting Pacific Paddle Company. Oh, that makes sense. Um, so, but changing into the new PPC, which is Pacific Performance Company. Um, if anybody wants to know what it stands for, that's it. Pacific Performance Company. Oh, cool. Uh, we make you know performance products in the Pacific. You know, we thought about rebranding a number of times, but you know, we're out there. It's kind of the IPs out there now, and I don't think there's any point. I, I kind of like the look of the logo. I do. Kieran probably wants us to rebrand, <laughs> <laughs> but I, look, it's just what I, it was a basic kind of brand name at the time. I was young, you know. I got into business when I was 20, 20, 20 what is it, twenty five. I mean, it's it's kind of young, um, and you know, owning, operating, and running a business since then till uh, what thirty three. So, um, you know, it's a, it's kind of, you know, you don't know everything when you're young. You learn the you learn along the way, and if I was to come up with a foil company now, I probably wouldn't name it PPC. <laughs> It'd be something else, you know, something snappy, one worder. But you know, you, like you just don't you don't think of these things. It's it's just what it's kind of immersed into, and it's what it is right now. So. Oh yeah, no, I like it, and it's a cool yeah. logo. Like it's clean. I'm just seeing uh, Kieran's shirt here. For those of you that are watching on YouTube and they're not on on, we're checking out this uh, PPC shirt. It's nice, actually. I like the colors. I like the way it stands. It's nice. Yeah, and your wings are nice too. Yeah, it's nice and clean. I have a I have a lot to do with the design. A good friend of mine who I used to ski snowboard with, uh, Jeremy, he's in Christchurch. He does the kind of the graphics, graphic design and stuff. So we work together on that. So just yeah, keeping it clean is is kind of our go to. Keeping it yeah nice and simple and clean. A little bit getting a little bit brighter these days, and just sticking with sticking with our colors of the yellow and the kind of the. The it's a good uh, like if you I guess if you can symbolize that logo with how your gear performs, then it, it's kind of cool. Coming through that journey of of into ski and then starting to design paddleboards and stuff, how like how did you figure out how to design wings and where did you get all that information from to get going and and then compete in that way? Um, well, like I guess it's all self taught. I haven't you know gone to a school and learned how to design a wing or. Um, boards and stuff like that so it's it's 
I've learned along the way and I've learned through various people. Um, and I've, I've just learned through feel and doing it, I guess. Mm. Um, and that's the main thing. I was talking, you know, I was talking to Karen the other week and, you know, I feel like a beginner now with foiling because of the level of the writers. And that's why we've got Karen and Trent and a guy called Josh Armit here who race foils. And these guys are just ridiculous ability. But I'm, I'm stoked that I can foil to a good level, but they're, they're a whole nother level above. Um, oh, yeah. I'm kind of went off top no, no. topic then a little no, bit. No, no. It's not how I started the company. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm just kind of going to that because it's just, um, it's just so important, you know, having kept it real simple with people, but having, tr- you know, Trent and, um, you know, he's just, I don't know, just when you watch him, it's just so silky smooth and you can just tell the guys just, he can just wave right, you know. And then you've got Kieran, freestyle, at 30, you know, 40 years old. I mean, he's a dad. It's pretty sick. Yeah. Um, and, the, and then you got Josh Armit, like seriously pushing the limits on the on the race kit. And a lot of people think I'm a, I'm a racer and I've just got to get it out there. I'm not a racer. I grew up shortboarding. I love the way of riding, but just the speeds that Josh is getting, like 34 knots plus, and holy shit, it's mind blowing. Like what he's doing, and what you learn from those speeds. And I, you know, we talk a lot. Like I talk to Karen, I talk to Josh, and this is how I stay so relevant with the product. And I think that's how we're going to keep coming out with really, really, you know, performance products, which makes sense. Um, you know, that, that's how it happens. You have to have the feel for it and you have to talk to people who know what they're doing when they ride it. I guess that's why, you know, I follow other companies. I, I play golf, actually. Follow, you know, tailor-made Titleist. They don't have the best golfers in the world on the team for no reason, you know. They, it's it's really critical feedback to designing these, the best golf clubs in the world. Oh, yeah. And that's how I see it with, with PPC. That's me aligning with these good riders. Okay. Like, I'm kind of a big picture guy. I'd probably piss Kieran off quite a bit because I always think about, you know, the broader market, which is kind of, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have to make profit so we can continue business. Yep. Um, you know, continue putting money into development. This is what it is. It's sustainable. So you've got to kind of think big picture. But yeah, if that kind of, I don't know if that answers the question of, how I started it, it's honestly, this is, it's, someone asked me that the other day, it started from passion. Okay. I didn't start this business for money. I just love it. And the way it's grown, who would have, who, who, you know, who, who would have sort of seen, um, what's happened in the last, you know, three to four to five years and no one can kind of predict what's happened. So yeah, with the development of the gear, it's just mind blowing in respect to all the other foil companies. Because we obviously don't have a foil right now, and I've been riding quite a few other foils and just loving it and getting the feel for what I like and what I like for a foil and talking to Karen, what he likes. And obviously one day it, it will make total sense for us to, to do our own foil. It just hasn't made sense to do it yet. We've just been focusing on wings and boards. Well, that's fair, but you got like Gwen right there on your on the cover of your website. So for those of you just on audio, I'm, at, I'm, I'm on PPC foiling dot com right now and you wouldn't have like the number one content creator let's say in the world right now with him and Damien Damien pushing your product if it wasn't to the level that they would think it would be right because they got a list on their website of like so many brands that they believe in you guys are there so that means you put in a lot of R&D and a lot of work behind it which is pretty cool 
it's nice to meet you guys. Like I've met Karen yeah. before, but it's nice to kind of put those pieces together. Because I had met Gwen in uh, at AWSI this year in the states, my first time going, and um, they're going to come on the show in the summer. I think him and Damien are going to come on. But we've been chatting a little bit, and yeah, I, I just saw that come up with their boards, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, Gwen, Gwen and uh, Damien, super nice guys. I I talked to Gwen a lot actually. Um, you know, product feedback, everything like that. But yeah, I'm I'm stoked. He loves the gear, and it's a compliment. And it and it keeps me on my toes, you know. Like in pressing those guys, that means a lot to me. Um, I think definitely probably one of Sam's biggest like why he can do it is uh, I suppose it's hard sometimes for a designer to I guess to give honest feedback to a designer all the time, especially if you're working for someone where I'm probably overly honest and I offend people a lot of time, but Sam takes it really well. Like if he gives me something and I think it's crap. I straight up tell him it's crap. Do you know what I mean? And, and he doesn't ever get offended. He's just like, all right, how do we make it better? Don't tell me it's crap. Tell me how we make it better. And I think that's why PPC for some, you know, all these companies have these massive R&D teams and, you know, we're really small at the moment. We're growing, but we're still small. But I think we can be honest. Yeah, you know I mean, there's no fear of being honest in this company. Um you know, we've got different riders. Like he's talking about a guy, Trent Gordon, here on the Sunshine Coast, who's also working with PPC. And he was a windsurfer for 20 years, really good windsurfer still. And he's really good at the technical side, like explaining to Sam, you know, I'm just a rider, I get the feel. So if I don't like something, I say, Sam, I don't like it. There's not enough power low end or there's not enough this on the board. You know, I'm, I'm hitting when I'm doing my turns. Well, we've got Trent, this guy on board now, he's a lot more technical. We can explain it to Sam. Well, Kieran doesn't like this because the wing's this shape. You know, I need you to pull it uh, in yeah, this yeah, area. Yeah. So we're kind of building a team where, you know, I'm just, I have people, you know, I'm what, 39 of it, no wind foiling, no wind experience before I started wind foiling. You know, so my mm-hmm. feedback's purely feel. But one massive advantage Sam has is like, he doesn't ever get offended. You can say what you want to him and he won't get offended. He he truly wants to try and get the best products out there. And, you know, if that means he has to take a hit to his ego to fix it, he's got no problem with that. And that's what I think is his biggest advantage and why he's able to design, you know, good gear that someone like Gwen likes. And, you know, it's even yeah. taken the next, the next level of this new M1 we've got out is, you know, next level of, of equipment. Do you want to walk through some of that gear for us, Sam? Like walk through your early dev development wings. What do you guys have offered now? Then we can jump into boards too. I'm curious on your feedback for boards, uh, or for both actually, wings and boards after, but it'd be cool to get your input. It's funny, people don't talk about boards that that much. And I find that it's like it's like we never used to speak about masks that much. And um, uh, what, what, was, what was I watching? The No Limits uh podcast a little bit and yeah it just has a really good point everyone was kind of you know talking about almost like flex helps you in a turn but now we've gone <laughs> yeah exactly stiff direct high modulus and yeah yeah um you know and that's a clear thing now and, and I, I guess a lot of companies if, if you you know if you don't have a stiff um you know performance you know really good mass section that goes fast and stiff and has the right layup you don't really have a competitive foil no not with the marketing money they're going to put behind high modulus masts now and like even talking 
like with with Steve there, there's a lot of marketing stuff that goes in there because it's like Har Modulus is such a big area. And unless they're actually writing that stuff down, which they're not, then as a consumer, you're kind of getting caught up in a lot of that stuff, which is why they're turning to, and this is not the first time that we've heard this with brands. It's like, hey, like people are not buying our prepackaged bot marketing anymore. They want to have authentic conversations with authentic writers that are on tour, with independent like podcasts. Yep. There's like four or five of them now that are that are putting out good, valuable content. Gwen and them are putting out good video. Um, we, we got another guy in France, like the top three content providers that just won the award. Like they're putting out stuff that's authentic, right? And um, and I think that's how stuff's going to have to go because you can pay anybody a lot of money and put them in a nice yeah. looking either bikini or a nice pair of board shorts and then sell yeah, your stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah. I just, it's, I feel like now, like I've, it's the first time I've felt it since the very beginning is the bullshit's kind of gone. And I love that. It's kind of, it's raw. And if something's not good, it's not going to last. And this has made me more excited about product design. I'm naturally a competitive guy. I kind of, I'm kind of a quiet guy in the background. It's kind of the way I like to be. But I'm super competitive and yeah, I'd, I love the no bullshit. I love the authenticity and yeah, you can't get away with, yeah, with, with pulling the wool over people's eyes because it, it just doesn't work anymore. So going back to the first wings, cause at the very start, there were a lot of wings and you know, I, I, I even look back at our old wing and I kind of get embarrassed about it. I shouldn't even say this on a podcast, but it's okay. Everybody was embarrassed like, almost about I, the I, first wing. I'll be super honest. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to do another wing if it was if it wasn't night and day better than our original wing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. But, and that's that sounds really weird, <laughs> but through testing and testing, you we came to like midway through our prototypes, and, I, and we were just going shit. Okay, we're on to something. Like this is, I mean, Josh Rowd in the water off the coast of New Zealand, just going fuck, like we've got something here and that's you know when you feel yeah. it and it's proper you know like it's real and that comes through you see it you get the finals from the factory and it's like shit okay we we've got this i believe in it it's night and day better than our previous and i can i can feel comfortable about releasing it to the market and the results have been really really cool yeah Definitely. Well, yeah, as, as we just yeah. talked about why. Yeah, you wouldn't have big people repping you otherwise. Cool. Yeah, so I, I guess uh, there's been a few videos and stuff online with Gwen and uh, Mac, I think, did one. And, you know, you don't. it's hard to impress the guys at Mac. Not doubt. <laughs> they're always pretty, um, you know, they're up with the best products in the world. So, yeah, materials, we've gone over a little bit. We have, I mean, but not not a lot, really. But I, I just felt like it, it all needed to change because, you know, I, I didn't like canopies blowing out and I, I didn't like the spongy feel of a frame and those were two things that i just couldn't get my head around so changing the materials in the in the in the frame to the dynamic and then changing the canopy to the mk you know i won't give you the exact details of it but it's called an mk contender clock okay. um it, it it just has no stretch so it has a little bit of stretch but not too much enough enough to not blow out so it, it the longevity and the performance and just the snappiness of the materials that we've chosen um along with the design obviously just gives it a it's a fresh new feel and it and it's lively like you have it and you that's where it goes back to feel like it just feels good and you can 
like I don't really I'm not a big fan of a big wing you can kind of get away with a smaller wing you can get away with a smaller wing and I'm not bullshitting you, you actually can because it's more powerful the thing's not giving out because of the material is it you so and that that's that's probably yeah one of the one of the main things you can just ride with a smaller wing now that's that's exciting yeah like this year the only i rode a three meter like all season starting from about <laughs> six yeah i'm 100 and i don't know 150 pounds whatever so like i can yeah. get away with three meter anywhere from 17 knots all the way up to like i don't know 30 and that's the only thing I had. And I yeah. was like, oh, I want to buy another one. But I was just, I just didn't get around to it. And, but every time wind would pick up, you're like, I'm good. And I was like, I couldn't, I, it blew me away this year, especially because it was like last year I was on a four and then you needed a five and you need all this stuff. But it's like, I was fine on the three. And then I just love riding only the three. Well, that's, that's like development, yeah. right? And, yeah. and that's, and that's made falling, I think, more enjoyable. And, and so you're not so focusing on the wing when, when it's, you know, depowered or whatever, or even when it's when you're, you know, when you're riding the wing, you don't want to really feel it. It's just like a foil. I feel like, you know, everything that we're on is actually a foil when you think about it. I mean, the foil is a foil. The mast is a foil. The board can be a foil because it's going through the air, and the wing is a, it's a wing. It's a foil. <laughs> so everything we're on is 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 a hydrofoil. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to like aviation, depth of pilots. So I kind of. In my spare time, I'll be watching like YouTube, how to make a Gulfstream 6000 or something. I was watching that last Great. night, production. Nice. And if, you know, I'm an idiot, but whatever. So it's kind of, yeah. So, you know, with foiling, I feel like a good foil is a foil you don't feel, you don't hear, it's smooth. Well, same with a wing. And you can't, you sort of can say it with a board, but I feel like everything just needs to be connected and stuff. And I guess when you you were speaking about boards earlier, um, Look, I'll be I'll be real. I used to manufacture in China. Um, I have nothing against China. You can you can build the best stuff in the world in China if you have the right um, quality QC operations and the right factory. But I was just banging my head against the wall with boards. They would come too heavy, or they'd come too light, too soft. That inserts would fall out. Tracks would you know, it was a nightmare. So I was I discontinued making boards for a, about a year, and then I found a factory in Vietnam, and you know, never look back. Okay. It's yeah, when you can get stiff and strong and lightweight in the same sentence with a board, it's just, it, it's a no brainer. Oh yeah. Going back to your wings just for a sec, because for those of us who have never rode them, haven't had the opportunity, we just see kind of videos and stuff. So, and I know there's two kind of four wings I'm finding that there's some like let's say an F1 strike, for example, that when you're riding a wave, it just sits there, right? It just sits there in the pocket. You forget about it. The KTs that I was riding this year, the three meter KTs, and there's a lot of other brands out there that they dance around a bit more. So their shape's a little bit different. They're dancing around. Some guys like it. Like when I'm doing flat water and I want to tack fast, or if I want to ride some swell, I don't mind the fact that my wing initiates the corner for me. And then it's a little bit less work as where the strike will just sit there in the pocket. But I was talking to Steve and he's like, man, I love the fact that it just sits there when I'm riding waves. So maybe you, Kieran, like how does this wing perform in those variety of conditions for those uh, for those at home? So for me in wave riding, um, it's not about my top end speed, which this wing does have. Um, it's really that acceleration of your first 
10, 15, 20 meters, right? Because you're either chasing a wave, you're trying to get out of the way of a wave, or you know, you're trying to hit a section really fast. So for me, what this wing does really well, it's that initial power. And then yeah, it sits really well neutral because it's so flat okay. and the air just flows so smoothly through our um trailing edge. So which makes it just a flat there's nothing to push it side to side. Right? It'll just sit okay. there, sits in the pocket. But for wave riding, you know, that is a big part of it, but it's also that initial acceleration to get to where you want to be. Do you know what I mean? So, you, you know, you see a, when you're wave riding, you'll see a peak coming from somewhere and you just need a race to get onto it. And once you're on it, you know, you find your flag out. Or if you want to air a section as you're starting to get more critical, um, you need that initial power. So <clears throat> with such a firm frame, it's got a really really fast acceleration and not only that the response so the response in it's really probably the best i've felt and i've tried a lot of wings and obviously i ride pbc so i'm gonna say it but i do personally feel that it, it's given me my best response so when i'm pumping i get automatic result yeah you know i mean there's no okay. lag from that pump to pump to go um so they're the three big things for me with weight riding and that's what i think this wing definitely covers for me um yeah. you know i had one i'm always interested in the one is really funny a bad feedback from someone said it was too powerful for him True. which is an interesting one i don't know how to um how to because for me uh, can yeah like they they thought it was huh. too powerful the wing which for me i just just drop the just drop the size yeah <laughs> i don't know it couldn't go around but you got to look this is the funny thing what i'm learning is i'm doing stuff more with the company is like we're all different riders right we all like different things and like one fall you might love i might think's terrible what i'm yeah, riding exactly. what I might love, yeah. you might think's terrible that's, that's not on the the foil maker or them because that's just we're so everyone's so different you know yep. we're coming from so many different backgrounds and so many we foiling is snowboarding skating surfing you know it's all in one so people are riding so different you know that you can't really judge anyone else's equipment because we all like different things you mm -hmm. know and you can't get offended if someone doesn't like your equipment either because it's just you know it's just really it's really hard for these designers to really get a design that's going to cover a lot of people and, and everyone's going to be super happy with it you know I've I think what's going to happen because we got more and more brands coming out into the market, it's all the gear is going to be quasi pretty close, right? It's there are, isn't yep. going to be a crazy amount of variance. So it's going to come down to is do I like the brand? Like do I like what they stand for? How does it make how are the owners? Can I talk to them? Is it a is it a company that owns them that that all they're interested in making money? Like all of those decisions would come in cuz some guys are looking for that. Some are just looking for the cheapest wing. Some are looking for the best wing. But there's all these things that come to play for a consumer. Um, and that's why some brands, people like them right away. Because, like, hey, man, the owner's awesome. He talks to me or his team is responsive. I haven't had any problems. Because you're not going to come out with one brand having something 10 times or 30 times better because everybody sees everybody. 100%. So like it's, it's not going to be that. So it has to come into all these other kind of conversations. So I'm glad you like it. I'm going to be stoked to see. Are you guys going to have that at AWSI next year? 
I think we are. We're just going through the motions. One of my our, our distributor always kiting in the US. We're just we actually just spoke about that yesterday. Um, I hope we are. Yeah. I hope we're there. There's also there's a fun little um, competition. I was talking to a guy, uh, Pepe, the owner of Pure Stoke. It's paddle for cancer or something. It's, it's in July, yeah. and it's and we're kind of considering going to that as well. So it's and just it's kind of windy and better downwindy conditions that time. Yeah, there, it so. would be. Yeah. So yeah, it, going back to the window and the product because it's pretty pretty much. I love talking about it. It, you know, like it, yeah. Like Karen said, it's, it's, you, you can't win everybody and you just, I have to accept that it's fine. You know, someone's going to like another brand and, and that's absolutely fine for the characteristics of that product. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything, like golf clubs, like skis, like any, anything, snowboards. Not everybody likes bird and snowboards. Um, but you can, you know, we've gone down a road with what we like and what we think other people will like, and we'll just keep improving on that. Okay. And I think if we really stick to it, keep it simple and, and make improvements that make total sense, like, you know, it's it's easy to go down rabbit holes and, and like, overcomplicate things. And I'm not going to name any four companies, but I just think, you know, the lines are just a little crazy. And it confu- I've seen it because I have a shop and it confuses people. And confusion isn't good in a in a new sport. This is a very new sport still. So I think simplicity. I mean, choice is great. Don't get me wrong. But just when it, in my head now, I'm really really focused on performance products. Keeping it simple. I've got to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to enjoy someone's end result when they're on the when they're on the water. You know, having a reliable product in a in a product that's you know, not not like we could have come out with eight to ten wing sizes. Oh, you know, what do we have? Four, five. Okay. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, let me just say, I think a piece of advice kind of simple with bit. all these fours and stuff. For example, I use one. My four doesn't come apart. So right now, I'm using one foil, one front wing, in pretty much whether it's ten knots and one foot, or whether it's five, six foot and thirty knots. I'm using the exact same front wing. I'm using exact same mask, exact same tail. It does not get taken apart. It sits there. And I think it makes you, it's going to make you a better rider if you stay on similar equipment as much as you possibly can. Okay. So I have a smaller front wing that if it gets really big, I would change to. But I think dialing yourself into the equipment you're riding will make you a much better rider than having you know, five, six different front wings and going out there and going, oh, am I going to use this one? Am I going to do this one? Because they all have different fields. So mm-hmm. I'm literally right now using my same equipment in one foot, 10 knots, that I am in five foot, 20 to 30 knots. So I don't think you have to go so, you have to have all this stuff. I really don't. Well, I met uh, Inbar. Uh, he was, um, I had him on the show. He was episode number nine. And um, he had over 20 years of like experience teaching, training in SUP and wave riding. And he gives Express Your Surf camps um, in Peru and Chicama. And he is riding, he said he would ride the same thing. He said, you have to get used to your kit, fall in love with it. And like, this was a pro level windsurfer. And he, he believed in the same format, whereas that you will become a much better rider if you can understand the little nuances of your kit. Now, I'm not saying go out and buy different things, but unless you can feel a drastic difference, he, he almost felt like you weren't ready to go buy another one. 
<laughs> so it goes against everything. But it makes you a heck of a better rider. And then when you slap something else on, you're like, oh, this is what this thing does. Like, I can actually give some feedback. It's not just, yes, it was great. Because <laughs> that's super hard. Like, testing is insanely hard. Like, like apparently, yeah, that, like, you have to be able to, like, I talked to a bunch of people about that. And there's certain people who are better at giving feedback because they can feel stuff. But it's not, it's not an easy skill to learn, right? No, it's really, it's it's actually really hard. And, and. And you, you question yourself and that's why it's good to kind of have different levels of people testing your stuff um, because it is really hard to, you know, give Sam sometimes a straight answer of exactly what I'm trying to get across or what I feel because mine's purely off feel. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why it's always good to discuss with a few people before you go to your designer. Do you know what I mean? So we have our two guys testing here or three guys testing here and we'll all discuss it together what each are feeling and how that feedback will come. Because you're right, it's really hard to, you know, you might feel something in a, for a foil, you're getting too much lift in a turn, right? Like I'm getting too much, I love this foil in every other condition, but when I turn really hard, I'm just getting way too much lift and it's coming out. Now, how am I explaining that exactly? to my designer or, or, you know, with my board, the, you know, try to explain that, you know, my, my tail's touching. I want to take it in, but I don't want to lose any of the buoyancy in the board either. So I want you to make it smaller, but I want you to make it the same buoyancy. So it is, it is hard and it's, it's, it's a learning curve, but you do get better the more you do it. And, um, you know, getting the results from feedback makes it easier. Fair. Mm. And I mean, what we're talking about, that that's like, really advanced you know a lot of a lot of people it's high level you know and that's good because it trickles down to the gear that these new guys are going to get on so it's going to make their experience more enjoyable but i always make sure that i talk to chris my business partner he's in his 50s he's a good wind foiler i'll talk to him about it you know i'll talk to karen i'll talk to trina i'll talk to josh but i keep it pretty small Mm -hmm. i feel like you can talk to too many people and it's you know and it it gets a little uh you know you, you you lose focus Definitely. So, I, I'm really happy with the crew that we've got right awesome. now, um, and I just feel like it's a it's a it's not, not a starting point, but it just feels like we're really on a good trajectory uh, for the future of this company. And you know, this is this has been a sorry last year has been a big year for me because it's I, I effectively sold two thirds of the company. Um, I'm the third owner in PPC now, okay. and uh, so Chris, who I mentioned before. He's uh, he was a customer actually. He came in, he loved the gear, bought a lot of it. Uh, he's he's bought in, and uh, Jimmy Spittle, who's a, a sailor, and a few of you would have, would have yeah. heard of him. Um, yeah, and he's in as well. So, it, it's three of us, three of us, third, a third, a third. Oh, congrats, man! That's that's big. It's been a it's been a big twenty twenty three. Oh, congratulations! And so it's exciting, and I and it's yeah. So so all these things are kind of falling into place. But I think the key is to just just keep it simple right now. Just keep the team nice and nice and small, and just focus on focus on the product, <laughs> like everybody says, right? But it's it's yep. cliche, but it's true. And it all depends on where you ride and what conditions you like to ride in, how you like your wing to feel. Um, and everybody's different because we see everybody, yeah, obviously riding everything else. But jumping over to your boards, um, you had a pretty good experience, and like you had been in the board industry for a while. So did you find that helped when you're going to go throw a foil on there that could move? Because you had mentioned one of your guys was a racer. So 
kind of curious about that whole angle because board development's not as easy when you got that foil attachment and stuff and all uh, all that stuff going on. No, like just the stresses which a foil board goes through is is like ridiculous. Like in yeah, it goes back to when I was a kid when I was buying uh, short boards and that break and that snap and I I just like one year I saved up working at a. Uh, a, a tomato farm and I spent all my money on a surfboard and it broke the next day and I just buzz in tears it's like shit this thing you know it's not strong enough and so but anyway I went through that with you know we started I started making foil boards I guess what was it the early days when the first foil came out and yeah we learned a lot tracks coming out D-lambs boards not lasting everything you name it but that's learning right that's part of the process mm-hmm so we, so I mentioned before we went, so we shifted things to Vietnam and, um, it's not the country. It's, it's the, it's the process. It's, it's the process of the board making. Uh, but all our boards are made in a mold. So every single shape requires a mold. There's a little cost to it, but it's not that bad. Um, so every, every single board's pretty much exactly the same. There's no, there's no inconsistency. So you, with C, I'm not too sure. Our viewers definitely know what CNC and C is. <laughs> you put the file into a CNC machine and it cuts it out and you get a black and then you, you know, glass or carbon over the black. And that's how most boards are made. A level up is vacuum bagging. Um, and that's really good. You get a really strong kind of finish and um, it's, you get a more of a kind of a harder finish. You, you know, when you sort of, you can, sometimes you can squeeze a board, you can push on the skin. Yep. Vacuum bagging is a little bit harder. So the eggshell is a little bit harder. And then molding, which is what we do, it's, it's a level up again. So you get it even harder. It's like concrete. It's like pushing into a concrete egg. Um, so it's just, yeah, just I, I would never look back. I would never make a board in any other way. We, we don't ever have warranty issues. We haven't had one track failure ever hmm. out of this 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 construction method. That's pretty good. Um, so now it's just down to us to to design good boards. We know we have a we know we have the um, you know the method of construction to have good build quality. Um, so now we just need to introduce lines of boards that make total sense. So I guess looking at right now, Kieran, what do you think is is the key points for to making a good wave board? Let's start there. Um, I think we'll see that everyone's taking in a bit, so the width's coming in a bit um on board so you see that it's funny so the width coming in you want to keep that volume so everyone you know you have the wine guys i suppose the biggest ones but guys were you know using that really small literage board um sinker boards but i think you'll find that i'd say in australia from what i saw overseas in competitions everyone's kind of gone away from the sinker so i'd say the perfect board for me is something that as soon as i engage my wing, I'm floating on top of the water with my knees. So if I'm sitting there with no okay. wind, you know, it's kind of just sinking below. But as soon as I engage with any form of momentum, I'm popped up onto my knees. Um, so for me, it's like a 53 liter. Um, so lengthwise, I'm going to say everyone went to that short, fat kind of way, uh, board right for a while. I think uh, most, most brands had it. They had that short, really wide, really short board. That we went through and you know i suppose that just created too much surface area wasn't really working so everyone's kind of stretched their boards out a bit now um a bit longer like you know say 50 liter four seven four six and making a bit thinner bringing the tail in so you know when you're turning you're not hitting your tail um it makes it 
it's really funny because uh, the protos we're testing at the moment, it, it just turns the <laughs> with the cutting tail. I just find the turning a lot easier. Can't explain to you Good. why. I guess maybe it's just the less area on my back foot. Um, but yeah, I'm finding the turning a lot easier. So I'd say narrower, a little bit longer um, while keeping a highish volume for each rider. So thicker um, is where I think the future is for high-end wave riding. Um, I mm-hmm. think there's definitely a market at the moment for that. And this is where you got to change your opinion because when I first saw these, I thought, I didn't think they were great to think things I'd ride, but they're massive on the coast at the moment. And they're like these, they look like mini downwind boards for winging. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen them. They're not, they're like, they're quite narrow. They're a bit longer and they just look like a mini downwind board. And the 40, 50 year olds just seem to, you know, and older just seem to be loving it. Um, from the guys I've talked to, they find that they're getting up on foil easier with it. Um, I guess it's that same down, downboard downwind board projector you know it's just getting them up on foil easier and yeah it's a bit longer um they can put more leaderage into it so they can float it so at the moment that's where i think it is where it will be in six months eight months who knows but yeah let's hope the development slows down (laughs) we don't want to we don't want to change it too much now no no we've got we've got it's exciting because we're going to I think I've got what have I got? Five new lines of boards coming out. Oh shit! So it's, cool. And they're gonna we're not gonna have a lot of sizes through the through each line. We're okay. gonna kind of keep it simple in that way, which I which I think makes a lot of sense. So with the surf line and then these longer ones, and then a race board, which is quite interesting, a couple of sizes there, and then the downwind boards. I've been working on those for like the last year and a half. I know we have a downwind board. It's called the Leg. Um, that was me, admittedly, rushing to market, getting really? too excited, and designing what I thought what a downwind board should be and i guess everything's changed since then <laughs> you know become longer narrower more of a bullet you know it's a torpedo kind of shaping board now and you know so it's funny because i look at the dims every single night and the volume and i kind of change them a little bit honestly i've been working on these things a year and a half so i'm, I'm pretty confident now that i've got something that i can send to the factory and make it but yeah one thing that i've learned in business is just don't rush anything yeah just be happy with it be overconfident and just think is it going to last three to four years i know that's really really hard with the way everything's going these days and the trends and stuff but yeah i don't know i i feel like it it could slow down a little bit maybe it's just gone really fast over the last i think two years things have just seriously gone fast with shapes longer narrow you know it's just don't you think kieran it's just kind of yeah, I, th- I think I think we're seeing a point where it'll slow down. I think you're seeing, as you said, as you said before, a lot of the companies are getting closer to the making the same kind of thing. Well, it's tr- it's tricky when you're a manufacturer when you're a brand because honestly, it's tricky. You don't want redundant product lines just sitting there. You don't want it for your retailers. You don't want it for your distributors. You, it's not a, it's not sustainable to have 500 boards sitting in a warehouse because the shape's updated. You know, <laughs> so those factors in terms of business and that's when my business degree and all that shit comes into it, it comes into play you know you you got to think about everything so deeply and that yeah and that's that consumes me so i'm thinking like really long term when i'm when i'm putting products out now that's what's changed for me anyway um and you can see in australia that's something that you know the 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 movement of the 
of the design, the product going so fast has been great for the consumer, but it definitely does hurt the shops. And that's 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 an honest truth that you know brands have to all brands have to accept that you know they are really the ones who get hurt when stuff goes really quick. Yeah, you know I mean, the, I know we have a thing we can buy. You know, everyone can buy online now, but you know, local shops here, you can tell that the the movement of the product, which has now slowed down how much people are buying, definitely hurts shops. So you'd hope that you know for everyone's sake because you want shops there you want to be able to go see stuff you want to be able to touch stuff you hope for the sake of that that it does slow down a bit because you know at the end of the day if it does go as fast as it is now you're going to end up without shops well that's that's kind of where i think the trend is going i know a couple of the big dogs in the industry are going to slowly chip away at removing i'm pretty sure duotone is looking at doing that they're going to slowly chip away some of their retailers and I know a couple other guys were talking about doing the same thing, restructure, buy from source. And I'm like, sure, you might save a bit of a percentage, right? Because you're going from like manufacturer price to wholesale to retail. But at that point, like we can't touch it. We can't see it. We can't demo it. They've had a lifetime of dedication. They put their whole lives into selling. So what, are they, what do you want them to do now? At like ad skis and bikes and all these different kind of sports to compensate but like still like I, I just i don't know i don't i don't know if that's a good move long term I, I don't think you're going to be able to get mass adoption without eating it in the first five to ten years because like that's our goal right mass adoption of this new product so if you're going to mass adopt something well when grandma goes into the bike shop with her kid and there's a wing there and she's like, what is this? Oh, maybe my whatever would like it. Like, that's how we could maybe make that gap. Like we talked to White Miller early on and he's like, I wonder if winging is going to make that gap that like supping did, like everybody had a sup. I'm just concerned about, about the profits over people model right now that we seem to be going down. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. No, we need our retailers. We need them. You got to touch these products. You have to. I'm a big believer in yeah. that. Sure, you get some direct sales. That's great. You do it with it. You, you've got to. You've got to have your retailers. You've got to go into a, a store and you've got to touch it. You know, it's just part of the buying process. I I believe in and and or just you know obviously the guys in the shops doing demos down the beach or whatever. You've it's just got to be in in the flesh process. Ski companies do it. They still do. They still do demo days. They've been around 40, 40, 50 years. When I first started, I never would have got into foiling if I didn't have a shop that I could go to and ask all these questions and and learn how. I learned through a shop. Like that's where I went to go to buy a product and then get taught behind a boat. And you know, I think you're right. I think it's scary once you take that away. And um, if we lose that. I think it hurts the growth yep. of the sport, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we as a brand, we just need to, um, we need to make it easier for shops. Okay. You know, simple put, we just need to make it easier. So we need our product available in each, um, each market, and you know, because shop, let's just face it, shops, they're not huge. Most of them don't have lots of money. Um, so you're just, you know, us as a brand, we just, this is where strategy comes in. And this is where Chris and Jimmy are great with business strategy. Believe it or not, Jimmy is great with business, loves it. He's competitive with business like, um, like he is with yachting. But yeah, we, we, awesome. 
we're just going to have a strategy where we're going to have a product developed on each 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 market to, to support the retailers. And yeah, because we need we need them. We don't want them turning into cafes and then going out of business. Like I saw with some sub oh, yeah. shops uh, in Auckland, it went sub and then it went cafe coffee and then it went and then it's gone. Um, at the moment, this is a pretty it's a new sport, right? It's 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 and it, it's still pretty immature. You know, if mm-hmm. you went around a mall yep. in a random country and asked someone, have they heard of wing foiling? I, I guarantee 99% would say no, right? So I think, yeah, we're just, we're just got to be careful at the moment. It's just um, got to be careful of, of, of what we do and it how it's going to affect the growth of the sport because we all want it to be big, right? It benefits us all. That makes sense. Oh, doesn't it? I mean, every, everybody benefits. We all, we all benefit. Let's face it. And the same with this pod. Same with the pod, like the pod, you doing the podcast, like me and you were kind yep. of start on this journey, <laughs> same time, same kind of thing. We don't, yep. if anyone wants to know, we both make very little to no money out of doing this. So this is, you know, this is what we do as our passion. Like we've done, you know, and most people in it and like you doing this and you know, what I, you know, me doing the writing, like my was self-funded to go to these competitions last year was just purely out of yep. passion. You know, I'm sure you going to the AWS was fuel, purely self-funded to go out and, you know, and, but we have to do that because I guess you're like me, you see future in this sport. And like, to me, I think it's, it could be bigger than any wind sports come before it, but yeah, you can't be selfish and just be out to grow yourself. You've got to grow the sport and do some stuff that might not be financially best for you. But if you do the right thing now, it'll come back to you in five to ten years, hopefully. Yeah, and, and especially with this, the cha- big changes I've seen with kids with the increase in social media. And like we're on Vancouver Island a lot in the summertime, and and we spend time at Nitnat Lake. And and I've talked to it's a it's a first First Nations community there. And I've talked to a lot of the elders. And I asked them about how their children are compared to children were before. And they're finding that the kids are on Facebook all the time. They're not getting outside. They're not doing any kind of activity. And we're seeing that big time in Canada. So I'm hopeful that a sport like this, that's so easily accessible for younger people, is going to help kind of neutralize that pull, I find, on socials. Because that's what I think now I'm 40. So I'm like thinking about things a little bit maybe differently and I don't necessarily like that whole shift to artificial reality. I'm not that guy. I'd much rather see you in the gym and then see you do something fun because that's going to keep you emotionally stable for longer. But that I like the way these these things are going. This is why um, I'm stoked to have these conversations with so many different people um, because everybody here is pushing stoke. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, but jumping back to your product here, um, we had a question from, I think I put it in their chat here. I'm not sure if we can see that, but they wanted to know how does the PPC mast shim impact the foil set? How does it impact the foil set? Yeah. So it depends on the foil, I guess. It was a pretty simple product and we, you know, it's like it's a bit of plastic. We 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 went. Should we actually do this? Does it make a difference? Um, I guess we kind of noticed it. it was with Josh with his um with his high speed riding. Um, he didn't like the whole flat kind of. He didn't like a nose down. Well, definitely not nose down, but he didn't really like flat. So he likes a little bit of, just a little bit oh, of up okay. angle. Okay. It's when okay. he he just feels more comfortable at speed. 
And it's weird because, you know, I never thought I'd actually use one. I, I use it all the time now with toe foiling. I, I just like that kind of little, it's just an angle on the board. It just lifts the nose. It's all it does. It doesn't really do anything to the foil. It's just board relative to foil. So just to avoid all confusion, the foil is not changing. The board is just lifting the nose. You're just going to get a little bit more front foot pressure. If you like okay. it, that's cool. If you don't, that's fine. I mean, it's not a product I forced down people's throat. It's just like, try it. If you if you notice a difference, that's cool. If you don't, that's, that's fine. Um, I use it every day. Uh, I'm just used to it. It's weird. And I know, yeah, uh, Josh wouldn't want to crash at 34 knots without one. It, the board, you can bounce back up. Honestly, it's weird. It, it's um, hmm. and maybe it's the new board design for the race boards. They're very, very simple, narrow, compact boards. Pretty excited on the race boards actually with the release of those. Um, but just, just a sleek, simple. It's funny. It's like it's like thinking about road bikes or something. I think about racing like road cycling. I was never a road cyclist, but it's kind of down that road. You know, it's it's the high end. It's the speed. It's um, so that that's a cool product. It's nice and clean. Okay. Really simple. But the main thing is we're learning a lot with board design, designing these other products. So just with the touchdown, what we've done with the base of the race board is it's kind of like, shit, should we bring that over to the surf boards? <laughs> so we're kind of... Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you when you develop a new product, you just don't know what you're going to learn and what you're going to transfer to another one. So what new lines are coming out? Because you said you had five, right? Yeah, so the, the surf... The surf line, I guess. Um, so, which we've been, yeah, developing with Trent and, and obviously Karen. Um, yeah, a lot of feedback and input with those. And then the longer, longer, as in longer versions of those, they're just narrow and slightly longer. So, only a couple of sizes. And we've just kind of singled it down to really commonly, I guess, sold volumes or needed volumes, required volumes for each model. So okay. it totally kind of makes sense. There's no big overlapping. I really, I really try not to, you know, I don't like it when you have huge overlaps and ranges. I feel like it gets confusing for the end user. So we've got the surf, the the longer surf, like surf cruises or whatever you want to call it. And then we've got the, uh, the downwind boards, which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, the race, the race board boards, two sizes. So kind of minimal sizes in each one, but we've, We've really thought about it. Um, Can we talk about what sizes those are? Which ones? For uh, to start with our surf. Kieran, do you want to do you want to talk about the? Yeah. So with the surf, we're going to start at fifty-five, fifty-seven liters. Um, we'll figure that out. But and then pretty much take that up sixty-seven, seventy-seven, um, and then. You know, it kind of is going to leave us with an option. So if we do, say we do have guys who want smaller and it's it's asked for a lot, it's something we can bring in down the track. Um, but for a start, it's pretty much 57, 67, 77, um, sitting at about, what were they? 57 litres, 4.7 and about 20 and a half inches okay. wide. Um, and then, yeah, 67, 77. And then up from the 77, we'll go into the uh, longer boards. So you'd call it cruiser slash could be beginner. Um, probably more on like the cruiser side. So light wind, you know, light wind, light wind, cruising. So you can do in lakes and light wind, or you're taking like a nice bump, you know, small bump that you can go out and, well, I guess 
you know, you cruise around on. Um, but yes, I'd say like with our surf, you know, the smaller sizes are probably more directed towards an intermediate rider. Okay. And the board's going to be, you know, a little bit thinner. It's going to give you, you're going to get your performance on the wave on that. So all those little bits we've touched in with that board is to give you that little extra bit of performance on the wave. Um, you know, making it easier to turn, making sure if you touch down in waves, it's coming up nice and quick. Um, so, you know, in waves, you, you do touch down a lot. So one of the big important things was making sure that we had a board that every time you touch down, that wasn't the end of your ride. You know, mm-hmm. it was going to pop back up nice and easy to be able to save your ride. Um, and yeah, so, but I'd say that's more of an intermediate high, high end rider for those ones. And then as you transition kind of towards the higher leaderage of that board, then you kind of, you know, can get away with a probably lower end rider. And, um, you know, as you get higher in leadage, obviously can work for a, for a rider who's not so high performance, but can also be used by, you know, someone like me, who I never thought I was, so I tried one, but you know, on a lazy day when maybe you can chuck the kids on the front or, yeah. you know, you just want to cruise around an island or something, those boards would be really cool for that. Hmm. Um, okay. And then downwind. Downwind's not my area, so Sam can tell you about the downwind boards. Yeah, downwind with three, just three sizes actually, in the low sevens, the mid mid to high sevens, and in the in the eight, eight foot, six ish for the bigger one. I took a, I made an eight ten prototype. I took out the other day, and I, I thought it would be hideous, but it was fun. Um, as long as the board's designed right, the tracks are in the right position, it's not bad. I went shit. Okay, we're downwinding on like a nine foot board. That's that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I just feel like, yeah, and, and the, the downwind board, it, it's it definitely be one of the hardest to design with, with the rocker, with the volume, with disbursement of everything, with the shape, with everything. It's just, it's been hard. So it's the one that I've come back and forth on a lot with um, some various feedback. So yeah, so three sizes with that one. So happy with that. And then we've got uh, two sizes in the race board, a 65 and an 85 liter. A guy like Josh Armit, who's... 90 90 ish kg whatever that is what's that 100 and 200 pounds maybe um he'll be on the 85 liter race board really and like you know him and i have gone back and forth a million times changed things over and over again and now we've come to something that we're we're both stoked on he's he's super he loves it he was super confident riding it i he wanted to take it to italy i didn't let him because it wasn't kind of a, a production board at the time which i probably should have let him but anyway he still came fourth in the world. Oh um, well, yeah, good for you. So yeah, and then we got the sixty-five for the lighter for the lighter people or, or windier conditions or whatever. And and it's like racing's just racing's just a whole nother thing. Like I I learned when I was in Italy, it's just it's 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 just another category. It's going down its own kind of path or whatever. And hopefully that path makes sense and and does grow that area of the sport. Um. Can only trickle right. down. Yeah. Who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, you're, you're always going to get before, before, you know, you're always going to learn stuff from, from the race developments, right? Which will trickle down to your other products. Like stuff that we've learned with the wing, with the new race wing that we're doing, which, you know, it's it's a pretty different wing. Um, it'll, yeah, we're, it's, I don't know how much I can talk about that one actually, but it's, it's, it's a good one. It's, you know, it's um, it's similar to some wings out there you might have seen released lately, but we've done our own version of it, and we're just getting night and day, like 
a different level of performance. But this is just going in a straight line. Yeah. This is just speed. Yeah. Not to get confused with, you're not going to go buy it if you're wave riding yeah. Joe Smith at the beach every weekend with your kids. It's a race wing. So that's been a fun one. So a lot of stuff going on, actually. Awesome. Was there a lot of good stuff? Anything else you guys wanted to cover? We're happy to keep going. No, I think you pretty much covered. Like, we just want to make sure, like, definitely get across the point about, yeah, you know, the PPCs, and it's been good. I think you covered it. It's, you know, Sam had it for all these years, and now it's, you know, these guys have come in and um, brought in. We're trying to develop into something bigger, and, and but doing that while trying to, you know, do the right thing by, you know, by the retailers and, and keeping the passion yeah. of why we're doing this, like, why we love doing it. Like, you know, it's not people can't get confused and think we're doing this on on big money. You're like, you know, if you didn't love what we were doing, you could go work in a supermarket and pack shells for a lot less <laughs> a lot more money than this is like, you know, this is fully passionate. We've got a bunch of people who are like in it for the passion side. Oh beautiful. You know, and yeah. hopefully it does hopefully it gets big and we don't lose that side, you know? Hopefully yeah. we keep growing and like for me it's super exciting, like you kind of into a company that's it's I know PPC's been there. For me, it's like a reborn company, you know? You got these owners have come in, um, these new owners have come in and like there's so much exciting stuff that could possibly happen this year and we're looking to do first, like we're looking to do a you know, a, our first proper travel photo shoot, you know, to to go to the Pacific Islands and Oh shit. And do a photo shoot with all our new gear and we're trying to go somewhere that no one's ever winged really much before. So like yeah. yeah, there's exciting stuff like that going on and um but a lot of hard work. Yeah. You know, and like heaps of hard work behind it. But, you know, I suppose you know that with how many podcasts you do and stuff that when you when you love what you do you're excited to get up every day and try and, you know, make it better and, and do these things. But, yeah, we just wanted to get across that, you know, we are, you know, we want to grow. We want to be bigger. We want to do it in the right way. But Yeah, I think it's important to know, you know, it's it's just we're here for the long run. And and we, 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 all, we all see a really bright future in the sport. But I think it's really critical. And I was talking to the guys over in Italy, um, you know, I got to be like I got to be honest. You know, just their girlfriends would have were watching it. It wasn't televised, and it could have been. So there are opportunities I think that we've just got to kind of get onto, so it can be exposed. You know, to the world, how how freaking fun the sport is, and it's the only way it's going to grow. We just have to get into you know into a bigger audience. We have to get more of an audience watching. So all these events, I think, are just that opportunities for bigger audiences. And and that's where we're seeing, like, you know, we're thinking, you know, some good collabs and stuff coming up. Um, with us, obviously, Jimmy Spittle's involvement with Reaper was pretty cool. They've got a big audience. Or, or even things like coffee companies and stuff like that. Like, just, just other things to, to just get someone else who hasn't or is not going to see the sport, see the sport. And maybe go to the local retailer and give it a go. And then get hooked like we did. Yeah. Because it's really that simple. Yeah. It is. Like, yeah. It's the way it's going to grow. It just needs to be, you know, tell not, you know, it just needs to be in front of a bigger audience in, in, in key ways, key partnerships, I think, for the right reasons. And just like, yeah, I honestly, I, I don't surf anymore. I just sold my, my last surfboard 
I don't I don't have time and I I, I can't I don't want to drive for three hours and look for surf anymore. Yeah, that's when true. I know I can just I've got two kids and we've got a one year old and a seven year old uh, daughter and one year old son Max and he's charging. I can't wait to get him into it. But but yeah, no, just, sweet. just to just to know I can just go down to a local beach, pump up a wing, and get out of there. Yeah, that's true. And that and just bang for buck. I think that's why the sport I believe is it's gonna be the biggest wing wind sport in the world, right? Yep. I mean unless something else comes it's, along. It's so, so funny, even when because you guys don't yeah, you don't see it in Canada, but the transition of like surfers' opinions are slowly. You can see it changing. Like you go out to a spot, oh, and, like really? you, know, you sit wide of a surfer. Yeah, well, because you'll sit wide of you know surfers at some spots where they're in their thing, but they'll see you the whole time, and they see you catch, you know, no joke, 50, 60 waves in a session. While they're sitting there, you know, getting there, sitting out there for three hours, get one or two waves, and then you know you always get questions on the beach, like you know how hard is it? You know, you guys just got 50, 60 waves. Like, you know, I surf to be on a, I want to be on a wave. I want to enjoy myself. You know, I don't want to yeah. be in the aggro of trying to, yeah. you know, catch a wave with 50 other people. So, you know, somewhere like Australia where it's very surf orientated and, you know, I'm sure there's lots of surfers who still hate us, but um, you'll see people will start watching it and then kind of go, well, you know, if I can go out there quite easily and catch 50, 60 waves, I'll be just as happy as I am, you know, trying to surf it. So... That that path definitely coming as well. I've definitely noticed a big change there. Actually, like we we're up at a local spot, Magawai, the other day, and we always go way wider the surfers, nowhere near them. But when we we're coming back through, we got a couple kind of near them, and they and they were hooting and stuff. They were like, "I'm oh, like, shit, okay, cool." You know, they were they were loving it. So, and you guys, you got guys like John, John, and stuff. John, John, John. We just sent some paddles to some for downwinding, and it's like, okay, he's getting into it. He's pretty good at surfing. Maybe, maybe it is fun. You know, maybe this foiling thing does have something. Maybe you know, going downwind for an hour and a half on a wave is is cool. Is a good feeling. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, it's it's easy to make a quick decision, like for some of these people, but maybe they just need to feel it out. And um, my my goal is to track track down Kelly Slater because he's building a house about an hour north of us here, and hopefully I'll take him foiling. Oh shit! Yeah, you do that then. You guys can come back on. We'll chat about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that, that's that's my ultimate goal, really, in life, just to get Kelly on a foil. Yeah. And I know he's been on a foil, but it may be documented. Oh man, yeah, that would be pretty cool. So I'll, try, I'll try and make that happen for you. Yeah, no, that'd be sick. Actually, that'd be super fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm just really stoked. Honestly, I'm just stoked on everything at the moment and the the way we're going as a company. And I honestly, I couldn't be more excited about getting up every day and designing stuff and talking to guys like Karen and. And uh, honestly, I don't know how I don't know how I fell into this position, but it's freaking awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I've definitely gone through the hard yard, the blood, sweat, and the tears. But um, it just it 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 you kind of need to. I feel, you know, now that I'm heading towards forty and I've gone through ten years of business, and it's kind of like I feel like we're kind of over the hill, and it's you know have some fun now. We're gonna design some cool products and get out there. I think so. And yeah, that, that's exactly what it's all about. So I just want to say, hey, thanks, boys, for coming on. And Kieran, it's nice to see you again. Sam, it's nice to meet you. Hey, Brad. And uh, look, Cheers, at, looking forward to having this chat at a later date and seeing what uh, another chat later and see what you guys come up with. That'd be pretty sweet. Looking forward to it. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight. And we're stoked to see you all next time. <laughs>